I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey folks, uh, this week we are not doing a Feel Good Friday. Uh, I got really sick and uh, Brian and Taylor were going to tackle it solo, but then Brian and Taylor got sick. Uh, so everybody's sick. No one's at the studio to record Feel Good Friday. But uh, what we decided to do instead was release an episode uh, that was supposed to be coming to you in about a week or so. Uh, so we just bumped it up the schedule and uh, we're going to dive into uh, talking about IBD with our friend Seb. So we hope you enjoy this. And um, and if you're listening to this around the time that it came out uh, and you're living in Vancouver, we will see you on Tuesday uh, for our live show with Dr. Gabor Monte. Can't wait. So hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay good. And uh, we'll see you next week. This week on Sick Boy, we sit down with Seb Tucknot, the CEO and co-founder of IBD Relief. He also has been living with ulcerative colitis since 2008. Let's talk about it. Well, guys, we're going to be uh, diving deep into the bowels of IBD today. Did you like that? That was, I nice. did. That was fucking. I have a question right away, yeah. guys. I have a Brian, question you had right. a good joke before we before we came on with Seb. You said something that was really funny. Uh, another guy <laughs> that's full shit or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. But I got <laughs> <laughs> like, like fucking like bashfully got about it. Like, oh, that's uh, just but, interviewing another guy. But, uh, full shit. Only know? because only because I I have a serious question that I need to get in right away because you said IBD and I. And I'm guessing that stands for irritable bowel disease. Yes, I believe so. But but I I I thought if you asked me, I would have said IBS, right? Irritable irritable bowel syndrome. Yes. Yeah. Is there a difference? Good question. Good question. I don't know. Seb, right right into it. <laughs> yeah. So there is a difference. Um, so you have IBD and IBD, IBS. Um, IBD actually stands for inflammatory ah. bowel disease rather than irritable um ibd is a serious long-term condition where your immune system is attacking your bowels and there's crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are the two main ones and there's some slight differences between the two um but it's an, your immune system that's attacking your digestive system which causes then okay. symptoms and the inflammation whilst an ibs ibs is um caused by lots of potential like unknown things so the ibs uh, is is for yeah. posers ibd is for like the real g's who are out there wanting that like <laughs> hardcore shit um that's what i take from what sub just said um but but uh, but actually that that is that is actually news to me um ibd is is so so uh, correct me if i'm wrong here but what i'm gathering is that ibd is an umbrella term for things like 
Crohn's, colitis. Is there anything else that falls under that? Um, so there's a couple more or a few more. There's um, microscopic colitis, um, lymphocytic colitis, which I think is quite similar to microscopic colitis. And there's also IBDU, um, which right. is IBD unclassified, where they're not sure. quite sure which one it is. And it probably okay. presents so all itself. So all those are autoimmune. Is that correct? Mm. That, that they, do they fall under that kind of category umbrella? Yeah, so that there's there's some debate whether they are Ooh. autoimmune or not. Um, my latest understanding from talking to people who are more clever than me, um, they think that ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune disease because um, generally in autoimmune diseases, your immune system attacks one tissue or one organ. Um, so ulcerative colitis is just limited to your colon. Um, and the kind of outer, outer or inner, depending which way you look at it, layers of the colon. Whilst Crohn's disease any, affects anywhere from your mouth to your bottom, um, so it goes across lots of different things, and they think that's more a your immune system is mistakenly mm. attacking bacteria mm, okay. that lives in your digestive system. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, kind of technicalities. Um, I try and sort of look at things as they all affect people in very different ways, and can be really debilitating for, for lots of people. So whether you have Crohn's disease or osteocolitis or, or even IBS, to be honest, I, I know people with IBS that struggle really bad. And so it's, mm. yeah, ultimately it's more about how I feel do like, uh, I get feel better. like in sort of like pop culture, and I know that we are <clears throat> a podcast that like intentionally brings humor around stuff. And so maybe we're a part of the problem, but, um, <laughs> but, but I feel like with, with diseases and issues that surround the colon, because yeah. they have to do with do do poop is involved. Like that, yeah. that there's a lot of, um, that maybe there's like a, a, uh, maybe not a misunderstanding, but like, kind of um like a dismissal of like some of the seriousness uh around some of these mm. conditions and diseases because because doo-doo is so mm. is is so sort of like boo boo it's it's taboo <laughs> wow that was really great because doo-doo is so taboo boo um and and so do you kind of get that sense like you know working in the mm. in the world and living with and living with this do you get the sense that there's a bit of a dismissal because of the nature of of the disease and what it what it sort of affects definitely it's a it's a very kind of complex subject i suppose um there's from the from the person living with its point of view mm -hmm. there's a lot mm -hmm. of shame um about being open about having to go to the toilet lots of times like in my worst i was going uh, going for a poo 30 40 Whoa, times a day shit. um and and night which was which was tough but interestingly as much as i am open about my condition like probably more than more than most um now i still struggle sometimes to say mm. hey i need to go to the toilet um like even now if i need to go to the toilet i'd be a bit like oh is it okay and so it it there's a real mm. yeah but there's there's a sort of Certainly for me, anyway, like lots of complex layers about that. There's also things like um, I've 
soiled my pants lots and lots of times um, and that's hugely embarrassing and the for me that was a big challenge around my symptoms was um, the urgency so I'd get the urge to need to go to the toilet and I would have mm-hmm. 30 mm-hmm. seconds maybe to get to the toilet so even at home mm-hmm. I wouldn't make it upstairs to my bathroom and things like that so when you're then in a meeting or on a train or in a car mm. or whatever it can be. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I can scary. relate to that part. I, I had a I had a hemicolectomy um, in 2017, so I had I had 75 percent of my uh, large intestine, my colon removed, and um, and luckily didn't need a ostomy or anything like that. Uh, they kind of reattached the you know the two the two tubes, um, and uh, but since then, like shit, my pants is just far more regular than I, I would have, uh, than anybody should really hope for. Um, you know, once a year is too much and, and, and I'm, it's more than that. So, uh, but, but having said that, um, I'm pretty open about it. You know, I, 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 I we, we actually talked about having a, you know, those like those, those things that say like, like, you know, 35 days since an accident at the workplace and every day you kind of like, you flip the, the chart. We were thinking about having one like, like, <laughs> X days since Jeremy shit his pants. Um, it would never count up. So like we were just like, <laughs> why even bother? It'd be, it'd be really funny though to see it like, you know, it gets to like 73 and then all of a sudden the next day it's just at zero, you know, no one says anything. Anyway, um, but, but um, I do want to ask you more about pooping your pants, uh, but maybe we can push that a little further. But, but what I want to do is first I want to introduce you, Seb. We, we, oh my God, we, we dove right into it. We just it. dive right into it because we're so fascinated with, with, um, with bowels that we didn't even introduce our guest today, so Seb Tucknot, which I got to say, probably one of the fucking coolest names I've ever heard in my life. Great name. Yeah. Um, CEO and co-founder of IBD Relief, which we will dive into, I'm sure, and also living with ulcerative colitis since 2008. Um, Seb, take a moment. Give us a little bit more insight into who you are. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm Seb, um, and I've been living with ulcerative colitis um, for the last 15, year, 15 years or so. Um, I was 21 at the time. I didn't really know much about healthcare or health. I just, I was I know, fresh out of university and um, yeah, I thought I was a healthy guy. Um, being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis was, was tough. Like it, it took a sort of a few weeks to to get my diagnosis, which is mm. actually very quick um, in comparison to lots of people I, I, I've, I've seen, but it progressed real, real quickly. I went from being completely normal to by the end of the three weeks, I was um, going to the toilet 40 times a day, lots of blood. Oh, I'd lost wow. 10 kilos um, and ended up hospitalized for, for 10 days. And I was super close to needing to have surgery to remove my colon completely because it was um, in such a bad state. Um, but luckily, they managed to get things under control and um, came out in one piece, um, which is not uh, the case for, for, for some people. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was pretty serious. And I didn't really know. I had no idea what to expect. Like, it was like, yeah, am I... Am I going to be able to mm-hmm. live my life normally again or not? And and and, and what's what's to come? Um, and yeah, the first sort of few years. I, f- were, I feel were like it's a tough. lot of um, 
the only way that in on any level that I can relate to your experience is like is being travel being travel sick <clears throat> and and going oh I've used I've I've used the bathroom you know 30 times today and I can never be more than you know, a 20 second Now imagine that I, chronically. I know exactly I know exactly. Fuck. And like and yeah. the way that it made and 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 I don't know if this is the same because obviously they're two obviously very different things having uh, basically a stomach bug that will go away and that's causing its, its issues. And one of the issues is having to go to the bathroom all the time. Um, like I know, I know, but I'm assuming there's something similar there where, you know, you said you lost 20, uh, 10, 10 kilos. Um, and, you know, I remember when I've, when I had that once I became you know extremely dehydrated obviously have no like have no nutrients in my body it sounds like that is you know a major a major issue with what you went through of just being at like a dangerous level of malnutrition and yeah. probably hydration you know is that tell us about that what's that experience like and what was the Especially at twenty one, yeah, you know, like yeah, like when at, you're kind at of on age, top of the world, yeah, yeah, you're in, you're invincible, you know, you're like, and and I mean, Seb, like, very attractive young man, you know, like it's just like at that point in your life, it's just you are gushing over Seb. <laughs> <laughs> I told him we're gonna be flirting with him for one hour straight, um, but but really, like at that period of time in your life, like when when I think about my time at twenty one or your time at twenty one or your, or your time at twenty one, it's like that is a it's a very it's a very different way you go about your day to day than you do as a thirty five year old, <laughs> depending on who you are. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like it's it's you see the world so much differently. It's like it's like your your whole life is ahead of you for a lot of people, and and you're unstoppable. But then all of a sudden now you're just shitting yourself forty times a day, losing all this weight out of fucking. Which I mean, I'm guessing sort of came out of fucking nowhere like out of thin air seemingly yeah. so yeah. like how 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 like how did you how did you how did you handle that how did you manage that what was the what was the emotional ramification of that um it, it was tough like um it was quite a while ago now i suppose but then i have had sort of flare-ups um along the way so you kind of always get that reminder of of what it's like um i remember like pre-diagnosis not really knowing what the hell was going on and that was scary and it's like is this something more sinister or like he well i don't know i had no idea what was going on um and in that three weeks i saw a few different healthcare professionals and was kind of being turned away or not maybe being taken seriously and that was really frustrating as well um and I did hope in the back of my mind, like, is it some kind of infection that's just going to clear up and go away? Um, and when I was in hospital and had, so they do a, a camera um, colonoscopy where they put a camera, a camera up your bum and have a look what's going on. Um, I remember that in hospital. They were like, I was like, like we need to do this um, colonoscopy. Um, I was like, okay, what? Like what happens? You put me under, or what happened? They're like, no, no, there's vaccine. <laughs> You're like, no. Okay. Are you sure you don't? Are you sure? Are you sure you don't put me under? They're like, no, we don't put you under, and we put the screen in front of your face. We're gonna, we're gonna really bring you in, in deep. <laughs> your own version of, uh, of yeah. uh, magic school yeah. bus. Funny, I, I've said this before when we've been having these conversations, these types of conversations. But I, I used to be a, uh, a real estate agent, and uh, 
we would hire people to do the sewer inspections with like a, a scope down the line. And whenever I hear about like coloscopies, I'm, like I just picture those you just think about closing deals. That's all. You can, that's all you can think about. Raz, like I kind of, I kind of know. I've like, kind of done get colonoscopies. It, like, I've done colonoscopies in houses. For <laughs> and uh, and now, do you want to read out your 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 business card information while you're at it, there, Brian? No, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right brian bring us back into it okay figure, so, figure out a way to bring this back around so, so when you were watching the video of your uh of your coloscopy what were what was going through your mind um i had already diagnosed myself and had decided i had wow. obstructive colitis um because i had done my own research and i'm a bit of a science geeky kind of guy and I, and that was a frustration the week before I'd gone to a, um, emergency hospital and, um, and said, I think I've got restive colitis. And this guy was like, no, 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 you've just got hemorrhoid. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure I've got colitis. And yeah, that was frustrating. Um, so when I did see the images come up on the screen and saw how, what a bad state my colon was, it was like, I'd, mm. I'd seen what those images would look like. So, um, I remember coming off or coming out of the, the endoscopy suite and was on a bed or whatever. And yeah, just, just crying and just weird emotion of like, I was kind of pleased or like there was a, there was a relief of like, oh, okay, we know what we're dealing with now. Um, cause before it was like, I don't know when this is going to end or what they're going to do and all that kind of stuff. So there was a sense of relief of, okay, now, I am going to be taken seriously and hopefully they can fix me. Um, but then also fear because I had read stuff online from other people and saying how it affected them and um, not, yeah, not being able to do some of the things that maybe I wanted to do. So yeah, it was a weird kind of, kind of period. And then spending nine days in hospital um, as a, a young guy and lots of young people that do it but it, it's it, it's not a place mm. like mm. anything else really like trying to sleep in hospital my first night they didn't have enough space on the digestive ward so i ended up on the amputee ward and i was like paranoid they were gonna, like yeah, mistake leg you for the other stuff <laughs> yeah, they come in they come while you're while you're sleeping and just wheel, wheel you yeah. off they're like well it says here right leg below the knee <laughs> they just come in and like mark you with marker on a leg and yeah like, what, um what are uh, what, what are some of the things? Um, what are some <laughs> of the things that that as a as somebody who you're having these you're having these um, symptoms and you're starting to look it up and you know kind of around the time that before you go to the emergency and then kind of up until when you get your diagnosis, like, so you've looked into it. You, you're you're going. This is what I'm pretty sure I've, I'm dealing with, and then that ends up being confirmed. And then like the things that you were talking about of the things that you see, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to do this. Or you're not going to be able to do that. Or this is going to be different. That's going to be different. What are some of the things that you saw in that research that ended up being like really true? And what are the, some of the things that ended up being kind of a bullshit, at least maybe for you? Um, I, obviously, everyone's different, but um, some of the things, some, some of the things that, that, um, that that didn't really ring ring very true ultimately. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I 
it's a bit blurry that time in hospital, but I, I'm a I'm pretty sure a doctor sort of told me that I wouldn't be able to exercise mm. as much anymore and like I might be fatigued and things like that. And I'd read sort of some of the stories from people online. Um, so that was something that like activity and sport was quite a big part of my identity. So that was quite a like, oh, wow, that's that's not fun. And coming out of hospital, or even in hospital, I was like, I wanted to try and sort of stay a little bit mobile once I'd got a little bit of energy back. Um, so I'd like go and like walk up and down the stairs or something in, in, in the in, in the hospital and yeah, do like three flights of stairs and just be like, well, I am knackered and then go and like mm. fall asleep for three hours. So it was like, wow, okay, this is, is this what it's going to be like? Um, I remember after the hospital was all going to play football with um, my brother just in the park and yeah, again, I was just absolutely shattered. Um, and it was like, okay, maybe, maybe that is real. Um, I think, yeah, so that, that was tough. Um, there's so many things that get talked about in, in IBD, like what foods you can, can't, can't have things you can and can't do. Do you have to kind of manage your day-to-day -day activity? Can you uh, have a job because you're going to be maybe unpredictable with your health? Um, like there's, there's so much out there and I have experienced all of those things. Um, but what I will say now is that all of those things aren't true for mm. me anymore. So like once, and, and I, I feel that should be talked about more. Like, I think if you can get this condition under control, you can get your um, colon or digestive system into what's called remission, then you should, mm. in theory, be able to have mm -hmm. a completely normal life. Um, like, I've taken to the extreme now where I, like, almost want to sort of prove a point. It's like, yeah, I can exercise, like, I'm fitter and faster and stronger mm. than I've ever been in my life and 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 can um challenge most healthy people so it, it's kind of it, yeah mm -hmm. those things don't have to be true you it's, look like a specimen I'm trying to get across <laughs> but completely recognizing you look fit as fuck dude and, and <laughs> I mean it, it is nice it is nice to hear that you, you. Ryan likes your bust <laughs> it is nice to hear that you you can you, you know, give us a can you just tell your camera now <laughs> okay, okay, okay give us a little Jesus look Christ. <laughs> you're canceled canceled He's canceled, folks. Ryan won't be back next week. Um, but it is nice to hear that, uh, Seb, and and especially from someone who's who's literally like created a resource for people with IBD, um, which I think is a great time to kind of dive into IBD relief. What is it? How did this start? Um, you know, give us a give us a bit of background there so that we can start to unpack uh, what it is that you're you're doing. Yeah, certainly. Um, so. IBD relief started um, eight, nine years ago now. Um, that came from where I had spent a couple of years. Um, let's, let's wind up, wind back a bit. So I spent sort of the first four or five years with the condition trying to get on with my life, um, but not doing it very successfully <laughs> um, and, and constantly having flare ups and just really struggling with the symptoms. 
Um, but in that period, I, I didn't feel like I had any say. It was just, I take these treatments and that's all I can do. Um, and when those weren't really working for me, then it was kind of, yeah, what next? And I ended up joining through kind of weird coincidences or long story, but like I ended up joining like a Facebook group with, with other patients with IBD. And that was the first time I'd ever actually met, albeit virtually through, through Facebook, um, anyone else with the condition. And it opened me up into a world where I then could see, oh, okay, there's lots of people out there with this, like literally millions. Um, and they're struggling with things like I'm struggling with, but there's also people trying stuff or yeah it, it 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 kind of opened my eyes up to actually maybe I can play a role here so maybe there's things I can do to help my health and it might be just how to reduce my toilet anxiety or how to uh whatever it's not like I'm going to cure myself it was just well there's, there's some people that do try and tell that they're <laughs> going to try and cure you but <laughs> that's that's um not so sensible but um yeah, it just opened my eyes up that actually there was there was more to health and more to IBD than yeah. just the treatment. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's so it's so interesting to hear people's experience of so like like um, I I live with cystic fibrosis and and that's something that I was born with. So I've, it's it's you know it's the it's the one thing I've only ever known. Um, but in your case, it's like you know you live this you live this span of of life. Uh, you become an adult. Uh, a young adult and, and all of a sudden you're, this thing has sprung on you and you know, almost nine years of doing this podcast, it's been really fascinating to hear the, the varied experiences that people have had when it comes to finding their community, finding the other people that they can relate to in this thing that they're trying to navigate. And oftentimes navigating that, that world where th there's a lot of, there's a lot of like cloudiness around it. You don't really know exactly where you're going and you find this community. And for some people it's like, no, actually I stay the fuck away from those communities because it's just like, it's too much for me. It's, 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 you know, it, it almost like heightens the, 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 the dampness that I'm already feeling surrounding this thing that I'm going through. But then there's folks like yourself who find this and it's like, all of a sudden, not only do you feel not alone, you even have this, this sense of empowerment of like, okay, like I can, I can, I now have a resource where I can start to take some semblance of control in this situation that I didn't feel like I had prior. Um, and I guess, so my, my, the question out of this is like, what are your thoughts around, around patient empowerment and how that can like lead to better health outcomes in the long run. Um, <laughs> in five question. words or less, <laughs> go. <laughs> five hours or less. Um, I, I personally believe it has a huge role to play um, and is fairly central to a lot of the work that I do now, um, whether that's through IBD relief or my own sort of personal advocacy kind of stuff I do as well. Um, I think health is complex. Um, life is complex. If 
we have this kind of mindset, which is what I had when I was 21, that if I'm sick, the doctor is or nurse or whoever is going to fix me and I play no role. Um, that's far too simplistic. Um, it's fine for something like if I go and break my leg, fine. doesn't really matter. They're going to fix me because they know what they're doing. When it comes to something complex and chronic like IBD or, or even cystic fibrosis and all these other things, like there's mm. so many different layers to it. And I think that's where other people living with it can help in so many different ways, like whether it is guiding people, supporting people, um, going along through this journey together, um, or, or even stuff. And, and I do quite a bit of stuff in this space now of like actually helping the researchers and the doctors or whatever, try and understand this better so we can actually find better ways mm. of managing and treating it. So I think, yeah, in short, massive, I think it's, I think it's a really, really untapped mm. part of healthcare that I hope in the next five, 10 years, we will see a big shift, which I think can start to hopefully um, change the tide. Cause I mean, I'm in the UK, um, the NHS here, the National Health Service is mm. um, struggling hard. Like we just don't have enough resources, money, whatever. And it feels like you've got this huge pool of people that are passionate about trying to help other people that mm -hmm. we could tap so, into Seba, in an appropriate uh, way. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> curious, complex. like when you, when your perspective kind of shifted like that, when you, you know, found this group of people and started to think that, you know, you could play a more active role in managing, um, your, your disease. Like what, what did you start to do differently and what changed from before and uh, to after? Um, lots of <laughs> in things, five I words suppose. or less again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it started with, Diet, I think, was probably, and that I think that's where a lot of people with health conditions end up going because it feels like something you can kind of control. Um, so I played with my diet, and yeah, it, it had positive effects for me. Um, but diet is massively complex, and I'm not sure I even want to go there. But it, it's and it's a very controversial, polarizing topic in IBD, and and. What I will say about diet is I followed what the doctors told me originally, which was avoid all fruits and vegetables and fiber, which is a belief held by lots of patients of, with IBD because you, well, you see it in the toilet. You, you, it comes out the other side. So you, I started to associate fiber with. I believe it's uh, one of the, the nine ancestral um, tenants too. <laughs> Oh yeah, because you're a big uh, liver is king. You're a big liver king guy. Yeah, right. No fiber, no fruits, no right, vegetables. Right, right, right. God damn it! <laughs> I didn't expect liver king to make it um, this conversation. I really didn't. <laughs> um, but what? Yeah, throughout the last fifteen years, there's been lots of different things that I have been like, no way, I can't eat that. That's like going to kill me. So then a few years later going, actually, I'm not sure I believe that anymore. I now mm -hmm. can do this, that and the other. So it, it it's so complex and so many people have very strong mm -hmm. opinions about certain things. And I completely see that because I had strong opinions about lots of things. Um, 
yeah, I have a very open mind now of actually maybe diet is not, it plays a role, but it's not, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, not the, 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 the only thing, but, um, yeah, that was sort of where I sort of started. I then started to unpick more around. I could see that stress was causing a huge mm. havoc with, with my condition. And every time I was really stressed, um, and it was quite specific stresses. So it's stress where there's things outside of my control, um, that would really hit me hard, mm-hmm. um, and flare me up. Um, so learning how to manage that, um, sleep has been a big one for me. I've sort of, um, yeah, started to sort of say started it's like five, six years ago, became interested in sleep and like, what, what can I do that do with that? And, and can I improve that? So th- th- there's so many different layers of things. I think for me, I think there's, I'd say there's, there's maybe a thousand different thing maybe more that that anyone can do that's going to have a positive mm-hmm. or a negative influence on their health and it's about finding what works for you and and choosing the things that you're prepared to mm. to change or tackle or whatever rather than this is the blueprint that everyone should follow everyone should do this this and this like we're complex humans like we like different things we respond differently to different things mm. it, yeah trying to find one size fits all just i don't think works favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. When I'm, as I kind of hear you go through those things, it's like, I think a lot of people take this, take it for, I think, I, maybe not most, a lot for sure. People take it for granted. But like, these are, these are like a lot of the things, these are the things that like in the absence of any health condition, these are the things that make mm-hmm. your life better. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can pay attention to things like sleep, and diet and exercise and things. I mean, reducing these are sort stress. of like the reducing stress. Like these are they play into a role of quality of health, regardless of what it is you're dealing yeah. with. Yeah. And then when you yeah. become sick with something, yeah. then then their importance sort of like yeah. kind of rises up. And the impact of not paying attention to one of those aspects becomes uh exacerbated. Yeah. And 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 something that you said earlier about the whole sort of the untapped resource of people sharing stories, advocating for themselves, talking about their issues, things that work, things that don't, and kind of collaborating in that way. I think I, I find it really interesting that I am, um, you know, I, I've said to you guys a number of times now, I'm, I've been rewatching Sex in the City and Watching sex in the city or sex, sex and, and the, city? the city? Sex and the city? Sex and the city. Sex on the city. Sex on, in, and, and of the city. <laughs> and and watching a show from 23 years ago or more mm-hmm. is like, it's really interesting to see the sort of like social structure of like how, because it's like, it's, it's really, it's, it's, you know, a popular show of the year 2000 is really putting on display a lot of the, 
sort of like accepted social norms of the day. And some would you things, say it's, it was ahead of its time, or would you say it uh, it d- didn't age well? No, I'd say it aged very well. And some mm. of some of the things are ahead of its time, but some things really stick out. Like some things where you know they you would at the time twenty three years ago you would have never thought that this thing would change that much. Mm. And one thing that stuck out to me in a, a, a in an episode that I was watching a few days ago was um, talking about something health related, and that it was like it was just it was like. I have this thing and I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously that still exists in like a really big way. We're obviously kind of behind the curtain on that because of the, because of the show that we have and the people that we speak with. So it, it kind of seems to us like it's not as big of an issue as mm. we know that it very much is. We're ahead of our time. Is we're, what you're we're ahead of our time. Yeah, that yeah. We're pioneers. Yeah, that that's we're, it. Yeah. That we're adventurers um, <laughs> uh, exploring the depths. And, and I just, I don't know, I just find it fascinating to go, to look at something from 20 years ago and to see something that's like very widely accepted as in the, in what we're, you were talking about before, Seb, which is this isn't between me and my friend or me and this other person that deals with this thing. It's between me and my doctor and my doctor will do it. My doctor will fix it and I will go on my way. I just find that to be a fascinating shift. Like you said, like we're still working towards it. We're still going in that direction and we need to open up more. But the fact that it's happening now, I feel like it almost wasn't at all mm. in, in that time. It's just interesting to go back and look at a piece of yeah. like social commentary. And like, is this, is this at the core of what, like what IBD relief is trying to do? You know, it, it seems like you've put in a lot of fucking effort to, to figure out your body with the way that you relate to your, your colitis. But you know, someone who's listening to this right now, who's been, Maybe they're on the journey of trying to find some sort of diagnosis and they got some gut stuff going on and they don't know what it is. Um, and they're hearing this, like, what, what is IBD relief? What is it that you guys are trying to do? And, and what is it that, like, you know, what is it that IBD relief offers? So it, it sort of started out from, yeah, that journey of discovery, meeting other people, realizing that I could do more things. I then, my professional background was I, I had a, a web design and marketing company. Um, so I was fairly familiar with the sort of the digital world. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, I felt in healthcare, it was so far behind what other industries were doing with digital. Um, it was like, can I try and help change some of these things? So, I mean, the, the, the first place we started was created ibdrelief.com, which is, which is our main website. Um, and that was in very simplistic terms. It's just meant to be a resource where we could kind of create articles and information about inflammatory bowel disease, because at the time the websites mm. were pretty poor. Um, so it was just trying to fill that gap and try and, more information um i also felt there was a role around um how we could kind of engage try and engage people like trying to create a bit more of a community um try and collectively get data like in 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 a positive way so like i would see like i still see it now like research surveys where they've it's like published research in some prestige journal and it's like oh yeah we've we've interviewed or surveyed a hundred people and it's like in the like real world, that's like 
pathetic, <laughs> like not doing a disservice to, to research and things, but it's, you go and, I don't know, you go and buy a toothbrush and it's been surveyed by like yeah, 10,000 right. people yeah. or something. Like yeah. it, it, it's kind of, the, the the numbers are so different and it and it just made me think, why are we not tapping into to, to this more? So again, it was trying to sort of look at how do we, um, how do we engage with people to try and collectively try and help advanced research and and particularly I'm passionate about research in spaces that are maybe not traditionally researched so things like the effect of um, I don't know stress or sleep or social connection or like stuff that is away from genetics or molecules or or like more hard science it's more the kind of the softer stuff that I've seen had a huge role on people's lives and and also stuff that I hope we can do something about it now rather than this kind of uh, when I was diagnosed, it was like, Oh, then there might be a mm. cure in 20 to 25 years. Like I've only had this for 15 years. Like that's another 10 years away. And I don't think it's another 10 years away. I think <laughs> anyway, but it's kind of, you're kind of putting all hope on this like possible future event that may or may not happen rather than how can we help people like today or tomorrow that that was kind of where I wanted to try and sort of push on those things um so yeah we have our website um I've then been involved in lots of different projects um a major one is um something called IBD Mate um which is um a education platform that we've been testing um in the NHS here um and that is about improving the way that information is given to patients um so we've filmed lots of um, really nice videos that share um or try and educate patients about lots of different aspects of inflammatory bowel disease whether that is uh what it is the treatments the procedures like like when i was like in the early days it's like you go for a colonoscopy and you get given some little like Mm. photocopied piece of paper that tells you what's going to happen but you have no idea what's going to happen you have no idea out of this stuff so we're trying to sort of create information education that will help people understand so much more about um what's going on um and also sharing patients experiences so we've got lots of videos from patients um sharing their stories and sharing their their kind of perspectives um so yeah, they're the kind of two major things. And then sort of personally trying to advance this patient uh, patient involvement, whether that's in research or industry or healthcare or peer support, things like that. Um, I've recently started uh, volunteering at, um, at a hospital near me that... Um, myself and another patient um we go and we sit in outpatients um and we and this is for pediatric um patients and we just go and just have a chat with the families mm. the patients nice. before they go for their appointment Man. and just have conversations and we're, we're already connecting people mm. helping them understand stuff they didn't understand um and it's i mean that's something we have talked about like can, a thousand times on the podcast is like you know, that's a, that's a gap in the system. That is a job that can be filled. That would be so valuable to have someone like that stand in a outpatients, you know, um, unit for whatever it is. So, you, you know, you have someone who's, you, you have someone who's there to talk about 
IBD. You have someone who's there to talk about, you know, oncology. You have someone who's there who's to talk about whatever, respirology. And it's, it's, you know, whether it's a patient advocate or it's someone who has some, you know, ounce of fucking education surrounding what, it, what this is going to look like for you as a patient, the, the, the possible outcomes for you as you go forward from this day forward. I mean, you know, it would be so valuable. It's, and especially thinking about people like, you know, your mom who had bladder cancer. You get, a, you get a conversation with a doctor and the doctor sends you on your way. But really that conversation that you've had with your, your specialist or your physician, it can only go so far. And it, and it really only covers the like, the, the like sort of absolute pertinent. Yes. Yeah. That, like the hard mm. science of it or, you know, maybe not even. And by pertinent, that. I mean kind of what, like what the medical, what, what, they see what the medical pertinent. community yes. establishment sees as like the things that you need to know, which of, I'm, I'm sure have always have a degree of importance well, 100%. to an individual. Yeah. You know, it might be something, it might be something else. Like the doctor's probably not going to talk to you about toilet anxiety. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like the other, the other parts of it that you just I, might not be prepared for. I, I am curious if you guys think, <laughs> and, and Seb, particularly from your experience of like, of actually doing this, is there any risk to like, you know, like, so, so using my mom as an example, she's, she spoke to someone who had a, she had like three options for bladder cancer surgery. Um, and she spoke to one guy who had had a, one of the versions of the surgery and her interaction with him was like, was not really positive. Um, and in particular, because the hospital just connected her with him without like, like recommending this guy's like a, 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 a good person to talk to from the talking perspective, but just as somebody who had actually had a version of the surgery. So like more to like logistically talk about things. And, you know, as somebody who, who like goes to therapists and is pretty, uh, goes to a therapist and is pretty conscientious about like, you know, our mental health and the way that we talk about things and how it can affect people. Like, is there a risk to having, you know, somebody there in outpatient talking to somebody who's come out of like potentially what is a, you know, could be a traumatic experience and then just having that person talk to uh, a, a stranger about it? Um, yeah, it's, it's a really important point. And I think, um, for something like this to be successful, it needs to be done in the proper way. Um, and like you said, you can't just put anyone with anyone. Mm. Like there's, uh, when, when I'm doing it, like I'm not trained in counseling or psychology or anything, but I've learned a lot along the way and I've, interviewed lots of patients and it's kind of so I think I've got more experience than that than maybe just some other random person so and yeah like me 10 years ago would be a <laughs> car crash in this situation <laughs> would probably cause all kinds of problems so it's um yeah it's about how you do it and I think it with the right I don't I don't think it would be that complicated to create the right training vetting process to find the right and find the appropriate people and i think the thing to add into the mix there's like yes there is a risk that you might cause harm but then i think there's mm -hmm. an even bigger risk so it's yep. it, yeah so i think yeah with the right support right stuff um 
yeah, like the, the role I'm doing now, it's it's taken us a year to get here and we've gone through all the different processes and it, it yeah. There's, that is such a good point though. Like, like the risk is greater if, <laughs> if you don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's, it's the evaluation of like, well, maybe not always done the right way, but like the same thing, this, uh, what's supposed to be done when you, you know, adopt any treatment, like there should be, there's like an evaluation of like a risk reward ratio. Like yeah. how, like chemo, you know, how difficult is this treatment going to be? Yeah. And what are the odds that it's going to be successful and how much are you going to get yeah. from it? Yeah. Um, I, and if, if the, if the ratio, if the reward ratio is, e- is easily bigger than. I think, yeah, I, th- I think the, the thing that I've seen so much is there is this fear of like, Oh, what if we tell people too much or we say the wrong thing or this kind of stuff. But at the moment, generally speaking the healthcare kind of view is like well it needs to come from us and but then they don't have the time to give it to them and then they forget that people are then going on tiktok or instagram or whatever and getting all kinds of weird stuff that's being recommended to them so and that's completely unregulated so it's kind of it kind of creates its own vacuum yeah and and that's the yeah like the, the team that we're working with they're prepared to take that risk and say well look okay I might harm someone or I might say something stupid, but actually yeah. that's going on TikTok and, and, and selling them to the world. Because the, <laughs> because the, 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 uh, the hunger or the desire for, for information on whatever it is, when somebody goes, especially in the case of somebody like it's different, it's, there is a, well, you mentioned it before, Jeremy, there's a difference between I was born with this yeah. and it's like, it's, it's, it's of me, like I am it and it is me. And there's this intertwinement of, of your condition mm-hmm. versus versus da, 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 going along. And now this here you go, you've got up. this diagnosis. And in that moment, especially when that happens as an adult and you are somebody who is like exposed to the world, especially now with the amount of information that is available mm-hmm. out there. Like when Kyle and I were going through IVF, it was like, and, and everyone's different. And Kyle and I are a good example of that. Like I wanted to learn, but Kyle wanted to like devour everything about IVF, everything about infertility, like every little mm. thing. And, and having resources out there that are, um, whether it's podcasts or whether mm-hmm. it's videos, but uh, like having knowledgeable resources, um, from where, from wherever that's coming from, um, yeah. is like, is incredibly important because people want to gobble that stuff up. Yeah. And then hopefully what that does kind of in that whole like risk reward scenario that we're talking about is that you can gobble up a lot of information outside of the hospital setting um, or in, in, in the case that, that you're talking about Seb within it um, from what you're doing. And then when you, and then when you get an opportunity to talk with a physician or like a nurse practitioner or something, you can be an advocate for yourself and you can bring up things and have that conversation with, with a healthcare professional mm-hmm. and, and, and bounce things that you've heard off of them. Cause some things are going to be bullshit and some things are going to be really great. And you can, that can be a, a sound. I, I also think like to, you know, to, to, um, to talk about like the outpatient person greeting somebody in the outpatient room. Like I, we can't protect people from human interaction, you know, like we can't, we can't just try to avoid those negative situations all the time by saying like, oh, instead of putting somebody there that could potentially facilitate one of these conversations, let's just not put someone there because it might be too risky to have two humans talk about something like that. Like that would be a crazy thing to try to prevent from happening because like you said, you're going to go out and talk to people 
in the world about this otherwise. And it's probably better to have the type of person who wants to volunteer their time to be standing in the outpatient room talking <laughs> the type about this of person who creates an entire website that is meant to be well, a particular when it comes to sex, yes yeah you know? yeah but like but like i would be the type rather of person, than somebody like, who's doing a yeah. dance and going yeah right ibd yeah, yeah. like <laughs> like i would me. be the type of person if yeah. we had the that program here i would i would volunteer to yeah do totally that because yeah. i think that would yeah. be i think it would also be a really beneficial experience for the person mm -hmm. volunteering to do it like you're you're you get to it's you're basically yeah. having yeah. signing up to have meaningful conversations yeah, with people, right. even if it's about something that's yeah. hard. And you could record it and put it on the internet and make money from it, uh, and then turn it into a podcast. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Seb. I don't know I, what you're talking about, <laughs> Seb. I, I, I mean, we're we're coming up to time here, but before we do, I do have one uh, one more kind of personal question. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on? Do you, are you a, are you a subscriber to uh, the use of a bidet? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> I've only used one. Right. I don't know if oh, I've ever fuck, actually dude. officially wow. used one. I, 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 they, they don't really. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's so mind blowing um, to me whenever I speak to people. Not common here either. That, yeah, whenever we I speak all to, own them, we're trying yeah. to change that. <laughs> we are trying to change that, and, and and this podcast is not brought to you by Tushy fucking should be it to should be, be with you. for should sure be. but but it's it, it is really fascinating to me to talk to somebody else who is extremely familiar with sitting on a toilet for far too much time in their life and it is one of those things that has like fundamentally changed my relationship to shitting um and and i and and you know in many different facets in many different ways um, but it's one of those things. Every time I talk to someone who's, you know, whether they have pancreatic issues or I, IBD or cystic fibrosis or whatever, whatever, whatever disease or illness that's forcing you to sit on a toilet far more than and you wipe know, your butt, a, a normal person. Well, most people usually wipe their butt after they poop. Yeah, but <laughs> but when you have to sit on the toilet, you know, more than ten times a day. Man, a, a, like a, a, a not, and not even a bidet, not even like a European bidet where it's like a separate bowl and you got to fucking take yeah, the fuck hose and do it yourself. Like that, that's a that's a pain in the ass. But it, <laughs> you know, it works. But but just a just a just like a, a toilet seat attachment that sprays water to help you like kind of clean. It is. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It saves money. You save money with toilet paper. You you you. It's it faster. Feel, it, it's fa it's way faster. Feels nice. It feels good. It like it prevents your ass from just being like fucking raw. No more sandpaper. But when yeah. I have to use toilet paper at the office here, it's, it's like horrible. it's a nightmare. Also, it, traveling it nightmare. and leaving my tushy at home, uh, yeah. like it's stop saying tushy. This isn't. Yeah. Just say bidet. I, I, honestly, I'm going to reach out to Tushy because I want them to give us an allowance so that in moments like these, we can be like, Seb, dude, we're going to send you one. Because <laughs> totally. like, it will change. Honestly, It'll be, yeah. It will be the single biggest thing. Yeah. So I, I, I was at a conference um, earlier this year, whenever it was, fairly recently. Um, and it was a fancy hotel. And, and they had, yeah, this yeah. thing that popped out and gave you... And, and I, I was a bit cautious at first, so I pressed the button without sitting on the toilet and then managed to spray oh, my that entire shit shoots. with water. It's a laser. Um, it's about a laser before I was going to go. For, <laughs> I, I was about to go and do a presentation. <laughs> I was like, change my shirt. And all sorts of 
<laughs> so don't yeah, press really the funny. button when you're not seeing that. Um, <laughs> I, I I was uh, plucked up the courage to try it properly uh, later, and and yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a very positive experience. I certainly yeah. would. Tushies are that. very affordable. Um, just they, saying. They are, yeah, but anyway, yeah. but I mean, like another that, once you dip your toes, then you then you then you're then going you're then you're going. Then you're like, oh man, I kind of want the Rolls Royce. Yeah, I want that Toyota Wasa. Honestly, yeah, I want that Toyota Wasa three thousand. Honestly, the setup on a remote. I want a no. I want, a, I want an LED panel on the. I want a dryer. Wall. I want to dry my balls you, and ass. You don't, you don't yep. need those. Like honestly, <laughs> I, I, I have I have the Tushy, the spa version of the Tushy that yeah, has the, the fuck up, Brian. that has that has the hot water <laughs> attachment, and it, you don't need it. You definitely don't need no, it. No, you're right. You but, don't. But it can't heat up the water fast enough. Right. Exactly. But also, uh, a funny like story cold is water. it's like coffee. My uh, my old asshole. my old grandma. She's ninety one. <laughs> oh, okay. She, uh, Where's this going? She came over to my apartment, and uh, she went. She's like, "Oh, I need to use the bathroom." And she so turned she it goes, on, and 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 it shot right through her, dude. <laughs> well, almost <laughs> poor frail um, skin. She 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 was. <laughs> she uh, dead, she's gone to the bathroom, and all of a sudden, I hear, I hear, oh oh no no no, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like I'm like, what's going on? She's like. Oh no! And she's like, the toilet flusher doesn't work. And I was like, what oh, do you no. mean it doesn't it's work? She's like, flushing. She's like, I turned the dial and it doesn't work. It's just spraying everywhere. And she turned on Aww. the tushy and it was shooting against the wall. And I was like, yeah. oh fuck, that's that's yeah. the bidet. Yeah, yeah. You got to Yeah, I mean, you got to train somebody. You got to train, especially somebody who's ninety. You yeah. don't need that much training though. They're no, fairly simple. You could you could have a little diagram on the on the on the um on the cabinet like right beside the toilet. Oh, just God, have a little, like one two three step instructions my we, grandma we really, forgets we, what she talked about 30 <laughs> seconds ago so even the diagram dude right. i don't know if it's gonna work for guys <laughs> we've gone off the rails uh let's bring it back seb but first of all i just want to say uh kudos to you dude like kudos to you for for having gone through something so fucking hardcore and then not only getting to a point where you can say you know what i actually feel better now than i ever have in my entire life and and having done that based on the shit that you personally like went out there and, and tried to figure out and you seem to have figured it out. And and then, and then on top of that created a resource for people that find themselves in a situation similar to yours to not only find and share the stories that they are a part of or stories that can help them, but also find the resources that can help them get to a place where they can say the same thing that you can say right now, which is that I feel good regardless of what I've been diagnosed with. Um, how can people find IBD relief? How can people stay up to date with the work that you guys are doing if, if this is something that they feel like they could use? Yes, yeah, Andy, so um, our website is ibdrelief.com. Um, we have uh, some sort of social media presence as well. So um, yeah, go and check us out. We've got hopefully a lot more stuff coming out soon. It's been a hard like trying to figure out how to get this stuff integrated into healthcare has been, has been really challenging. Um, so got some really nice kind of opportunities um, coming up and I think that connected us on this podcast. So I've just um, been a, uh, won a challenge with um, Takeda Canada um, to work with them to actually try and integrate Ooh. some of the work we're doing um, into the Canadian healthcare system, which I'm super excited about because I think that's it feels like a big stepping stone in terms of actually trying to work with um, some organizations to actually try and get this to be mm. uh, taken more seriously so um, yeah there'll be a lot more coming out soon um, 
Cool, dude. Well, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to uh, sit down and, and give us a bit of insight into the work that you do and, and your experience with, uh, with IBD. Um, this has been a real treat, so thanks, Ed. That is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.